the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are kicking off a new, 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 new series, which I'm crazy, crazy excited about. So if you open the City Hill app, in the bottom corner, there's the menu button, the three lines, and then at the top, incensed, that is today. And so this series isn't really about Drake. It's just, it's Christmas. And Christmas is the time of year when God starts to reveal, God's playing, God's playing. That's the only lyric I can use the whole series. Everything else in the song is completely nonsensical. I tried, I tried. I looked at the chorus and I went, could I? That's a reach. I like a reach, but that is really a reach. Like that is like Stretch Armstrong. Like I couldn't be a credible preacher if I tried to do an expose through Drake's lyrics. It just, I couldn't, I couldn't. I'd, I'd, I'd give myself a P45, I would. I'd be like, what are you doing, you absolute pagan waste man? That is so stupid. So we're sticking with just the hook for the series because that is literally all we can do. So over the series, we're gonna go through looking through the Christmas narrative through different sets of eyes, looking at different people and how they came to God's plan, God's plan. My accent is terrible. I need to learn a dance for the cut the other week. So I'm gonna be saying that a lot. So. We're going to be looking at it through their eyes. Because if there's one thing that I've realized is that God's plan is at the intersection of where fear meets faith. Every time. And if you look through the nativity, you may have spent your childhood reading it with blinkers and rose-tinted glasses and seeing it as a fluffy story with fluffy snow. And it's a lovely, uh, lovely kind of story. But actually, when you look at the nativity and what it looked like, it's actually far more like EastEnders. Non-stop stress and anxiety and tension everywhere you go. There's fear, there's fear, there's fear at every single corner. So I want to introduce today Zechariah. Zechariah, his kind of backstory is his wife Lizzie is barren and they're old in age, a bit like Abraham and Sarah. They prayed for years for a baby and... um, for, for, for Zechariah in this story, it's a weird one because in the words of T.I., faith is dead and gone. It's just packed up and moved out. It's like, a, I guess, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, God left this place a long time ago. I think that's pretty much sums up um, Zechariah. If you kind of read his story. So in Luke 1, verse 5, we're going to read from the Bible today. If you flick for the app to the Bible section, uh, it'll be in the ESV. Um, In the days of King Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. I want to pause for a second at that moment because one of the things that I think that I've, I've experienced and learned in life is that actually as, as time goes by, when we consistently um, oppose fear with faith through prayer over time and the desired outcome doesn't come how we want it, we see our faith corrode. I don't know if that's been your story. Have you ever prayed about something for so long and nothing changes? Because that's what we just read. So us, we read the Bible and we just flow through that but what you haven't noticed in what the, what's being communicated to you is a couple have lived blamelessly. That's not like me. Maybe that's like you. 
They lived blamelessly. They lived righteously. They've nailed it. And throughout the consistency of having nailed it, his wife's been barren the whole time. And I don't know if you know many, many couples or, or, or women that, that can't have kids. I don't know if you know many or if you spent time or if you've ever had a conversation with someone. So I knew a friend of mine from another church. They lived in France back then and they, were, they couldn't have kids and there was like a gap in her tubes. It was the craziest thing. And I think they spent tens of thousands of francs they spent on different treatments to try and have this baby. And then in the end, what they happened is they took a bit of the tube from the other side to put it on this side so that at least one of them could connect all the way and it failed and that was it. It was like the song, it's the end of the road. That's it, this is done, kind of kids. You know what she used to do? She used to go out trying to get away from it all. And then she'd go for a walk around the park to clear her head, she'd see someone walking along with their kid, screaming, mummy, 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 hearing the words she would never hear. Oh my gosh, that's painful. That is so painful. And actually, for my friend, he was telling me the most painful thing for him was, you know, that was a heartache and he found that difficult to bear for himself as a man. But actually, you're seeing his wife go through that and there is nothing you can do about it. You are powerless to change the situation. The way he described his despair in that time is such a painful thing. So when we flip back the script and we look at this passage and we read that they were both righteous before the Lord, walking blamelessly in all his instructions and the statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. What you hear is you hear a black cloud of death. What you hear is fear and anxiety over years and years and years. What you hear is questions of why is this happening to me? Why am I in this place? Why is this happening to me? Why isn't this changing for me? Why can't I do what every other person is doing? Why is that scumbag that I know so badly who's just an absolute mm, mistreats everyone and they are, they are breeding like bunnies? Why am I in this place? Now it says in verse 8, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And, he, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have great joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And when he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You know, that's a crazy moment for me. You're standing in front of an angel and your response is, well, how do I know that's going to happen? It's like, I because I'm an angel. Like, you've been, this is your career to be a priest. This is the first time your national lottery numbers have come up. By lot, you've been picked to do this. By God, you have been picked today to be in this place burning the incense. You've been picked. 
It's crazy. So you've won the national lottery ticket that day. You've gone into work, nailed it. I'm going to be a part of this holy space that you only really get to go in once in your entire life if that's your career. Once in your life, you're going to get picked out. You're going to get to do this one job. And whilst you're in that place, an angel appears to the right-hand side. You're bricking it because it's an angel. And then he starts to tell you, God's heard your prayers while you're burning the incense. And your response is, well, yeah, but how do I know? How do I know that's going to be? Oh, man. It's a crazy story. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Basically, that translates in the Greek. When it says, I am, Greg, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, because Gabriel appears in the book of Daniel twice. So that literally translates as Ron Burgundy speaking in the New Testament. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. That's what that is right there. When he goes, I'm Gabriel, right? It's like, I'm not just a angel that's come here, standing on the right-hand side. On the day you got the winning lottery ticket and you're in... The whole, you're next to the Holy of Holies, just behind that curtain. You're burning the incense to waft the incense through that curtain to the mercy seat of God. The one day you get to do it, an angel speaking to you, and your response to me is, but how do I know that's true? I'm Gabriel. I love it. I'm Gabriel. It's like, you idiot. I'm not just even any angel. I'm a man like Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. I love that, man. That's got to be a t-shirt. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. Like, the whole reason I'm here is you. I'm not here by chance. This isn't where I hang out. This isn't, oh, do you come here often? No, I don't. I go where I'm sent. I say what I'm told to say. I've been sent here in the same capacity. Gabriel only appears in Daniel. It's not like he's in and out of the Bible. You know what I mean? The Bible is a big book and he's not in and out of it. It's not like any man meets Gabriel. So when he goes, I'm Gabriel, he's like, what is wrong with this kid? You can imagine him going back to God going, that's the last time. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore, God. I can't do this. Like, I'm standing there. I'm shining like lightning, like glory all around. He's scared. And then when I even tell him what's going to happen, he goes, what's going to happen? Man, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. He's almost at that point like, well, if you don't want it, I'll just take it away. You know, I'm, I'm done. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people waiting for Zechariah, people outside like, oh my gosh, it's taking a long time, man. You just got to just set the stuff on fire and move on, man. Come on, you've got us all waiting out here because people die in, in, in this area. Not quite this area, the other side, but they're like, uh-oh, maybe he's... And people can't just walk in. Wondering at his delay in the temple, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized, oh, he's seen a vision. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying... Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. So there we go. Right at the end of, of this passage, it highlights what it had already been saying at the beginning, but just to emphasize in case anyone missed it, this was all about her reproach. This was all about her heartache. This was all about her pain. This was all about her stigma and his stigma and how every day they're reminded by seeing everyone else's children around the community thriving and families growing 
and they were left barren and on the outside. And then as fear comes in, it meets faith. The cool thing about starting off the story here is the story starts in Luke's gospel going straight to John and the birth of John in such a key moment. And actually, it doesn't even start with faith. It starts with, like, unbelief. Like, I, I don't believe it. Like, how do I even know this is going to be true? And I think, actually, that's an interesting part for us because I think in the UK at the moment, when you talk about faith, you talk about Christianity, you talk about God or any of those types of things, I think people today, if they had the encounter of Zechariah, they'd probably respond in kind. I think, that's, I think that's really the pulse of how a lot of people are when it comes to God. I think all of us look at the story and go, oh, you're an idiot. Like, how can you be in that scenario and respond that way? But actually, I believe that all of us respond that way constantly to God all the time. And I think, actually, this is something that can speak to you and I because some of us may have been going through a long period of our life praying about the same thing, constantly talking about the same thing, constantly hurt by the same issue, constantly let down by the same situation. And, and the funny thing is, it feels like God's not really there. It feels like God's not really listening. It feels like God doesn't really hear what I'm saying. You know what the craziest thing about this scenario is? that The conversation with Gabriel was all the more like Heizekite on cocaina because what's happening here is he's, he's doing something that someone today is gonna do, is gonna get a once in a lifetime worship experience like Zachariah got without the glam. We're kind of in a tent, a bit like I guess they did in the old school with, with Moses and the Mandem. So what, what happened and what happened in this story that's so crazy is what happened is you had a children of Israel who were in slavery in Egypt. They cried out to God because of their suffering and people were dying, people were being abused and even genocide at one point. They cried out to God and when he engages with Moses at the mountain, the, mount, the mountain of God, Horeb, he speaks to him and he says, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm sending you. And Moses at that point is like, oh dear, I, I don't want to do this. That's the most powerful nation on earth. I don't want to in on this, all that kind of stuff. God uses him. God delivers his people from slavery. But when they leave, what happens is you go into prison, you get in a system. When you leave, you come out all institutionalized because you've got this rigid system in place that's there to keep you in place. The children of Israel have only known slavery in the Egyptian masters. When they leave, there's this huge vacuum. And what determines whether you live a truly free life or imprison yourself by your decisions is what you're going to fill the vacuum with. And so the children of Israel had this new institution that started to come in. We talk about the law of God, the commandments, the instruction of God, the identity. It's like the DNA of who they're supposed to be by their behaviors and their actions. And certain behaviors are rewarded, other behaviors are, are, are punished. And they're building this identity together. And we did a series in 2015 that I was listening to again the other day. And there are these artifacts that went within <coughs> The, the tent of meeting that were for God and there was only one of the artifacts in the tent of meeting which actually not just for God but was for the people and it was what we're doing today they had the, the um, altar of incense and what would happen is they would manufacture this one type of incense that no one else had so it could be never used for anyone else no one else could go oh I'm really important let me use that incense they would have been like dead and buried you'd have been duppied for that they duppied you'd have been killed so they had this special incense this fragrant aroma and what would happen is the first thing in the morning, it will be burnt, and the and last thing towards the end of the day, in the evening, it will be burnt, and you'd have a priest in there, one of Aaron's descendants, and they would be lighting it, and they would be kind of like flaming it. It was Aaron at first, then his descendants, then later on you get picked by national lottery, you get a straw or whatever lot way they, they cast lots, 
and once in your lifetime you would go into this this special place and you would light the incense in the morning and what would happen is outside the people would be praying now the reason for this incense was that there was this huge kind of curtain let's say those doors were a curtain and you have this huge altar for incense and you start burning the incense what you'd end up doing is the smoke as we can see today which is why i got these ones the smoke you'd start to waft it and what they would do is they would just start wafting the smoke and they would waft it in the direction of of the curtain and the idea was that the incense would go in through the curtain where they had what was called the mercy seat now they didn't believe that god was physically there but it was the notion it was the gesture of his presence being among his people and they would kind of like waft it through to where they believed the presence of god was to the mercy seat and at the same time as they were doing that on the outside of the the tent the whole nation would be gathered and they would be doing their morning prayers they'd be doing their evening prayers there was a rhythm to their day they started focused on their day and the difference is in this time it's in a temple but then it was in like a portable tent and what would happen is sometimes the wind would blow away and you'd be wafting it furiously trying to get it through the curtain but it would go the wrong way and when it would go the wrong way the people outside would start to smell this aroma and it, it served as a reminder to them that their king was in the building and what happened with a king is when you're upset is you go to your king and say well this is happening this is happening i need you to step in and sort this out for me and mediate between me and my brother or in this issue you and i today we go on change.org or we write to our mp or we're unhappy about something we go for a petition and so what happened is with these people is they would come to god who was their king and they'd be making their prayers on the outside while the incense would be lit and the fragrant aroma was for the lord for it to be pleasing to him this unique incense this unique smell and they'd waft it through to him and the idea was that if this was done every day that in tandem with the people outside praying they believed the incense was like carrying their prayers through to god so by no feat by no moment of chance what the writer wants you to know on the day of Zechariah's life when he's old in age he's nearing the end of his life on this earth he's a very old man he's gone through all this suffering that he's not been able to have a boy on the day he steps in and he's going in and even though all this suffering even though he's been upright in every way like a bit like Job and he's been missing out on being able to have kids even though because of that he hasn't gone oh that's it I'm going on a bender I'm done with this I'm just going to go mad and just do whatever I want he's still faithful when he's in there but the key thing about Zechariah is like I said when you meet fear with faith in prayer consistently over time your faith corrodes and Zechariah ironically is lighting the incense he's wafting it through in the belief that there's someone on the other side of that curtain that there's someone that's going to be hearing the prayers of the people he is the medium that is bringing the incense to the people that all those people outside are believing and trusting that in him doing this that god is hearing their prayer that god is hearing their cry it's in the midst of that moment of that taking place for realsies he is going like well how do i know that's going to happen And at this moment that's why Gabriel and this is such a severe thing because Gabriel was like are you kidding me you're in this space this space once in a lifetime in this space and and you're the one who's who's fanning everyone's prayers to God and I've just come here and told you your prayer has been answered this day and you're going to have a boy and this is your response you see you and I when we read this I think we miss so much of it because we just don't understand what an altar for incense is we don't understand why there's any significance to the job he's doing we don't understand that this is a once in a lifetime thing this is like you just signed your record contract you're now doing your biggest gig at Madison Square Garden he's in he's in the place he's always dreamed to be but he's so broken by his disappointments 
And what I love is, by the grace of God, God's plan, God's plan still unfolds in his life. And what I want to say to all of us today is actually, maybe there's been a long period in your life where you've been praying and you've been praying and praying, amen. Yeah? Praying and praying and praying for something to change and it hasn't changed. You want to see a shift, but it hasn't changed. And maybe like Zechariah, you're feeling like over time, I feel like my faith is corroding a little bit because I'm not seeing the thing that I prayed for for so long ago. But then man like Gabriel shows up and says, this is actually a really sacred thing. And you know what? You're not going to be able to speak about this. You're not going to be able to share this until it happens. And I think that's a really wonderful, gracious thing that Gabriel does to him because can you imagine the stupidity he would have said walking out of there? I've said it. Unfortunately for me, I haven't had angels step in and shut me up. And I've said some really stupid things when I've been hurt and disappointed with faith, disappointed with God, disappointed with church, disappointed with, with people, disappointed with myself, disappointed with my, my life and my situation. I've said some really stupid things. And luckily for Zechariah, this angel by his grace shuts him up. That he's only able to speak when he's able to rejoice in the completion of his faith. And what I want each of us to know is that we are not alone. And we may feel like we're not heard, but we are heard. The children of Israel were in slavery, suffering and dying. And they didn't know God had heard their prayer until there was a day when there were old men, women and children who could say, I'm no longer being beat down, building someone else's life. I'm no longer being abused. I'm no longer a slave, but I'm free. I'm going to pray for us today. Father, I thank you that in this story, what we find is we find that you are a God who hears. I thank you, Lord, that actually some of the things that happen in our lives, they, they leave us incensed. We're, we're angry, we're hurt. And sometimes we don't find the way to express ourselves properly. And sometimes we say stupid things. Sometimes we allow our hearts to become cynical and we allow all sorts of poison to flow into us. And we allow ourselves to say things that later on in life we'll regret in view of the mercy and the grace that comes in your timing. I pray for those of us here today that have been praying about the same thing again and again and again, that you would just be with us, that your peace would be with us, that you would comfort us. I pray that you would strengthen us as well. I pray you'd also help, and help us, Lord, not to say stupid things because it's so easy to speak out of the hurt and the disappointment in our lives instead of tuning in to the fragrant aroma that is around us that we know that when we talk to you about our hurts, our pains, our failures, our sin, and all that goes on in our lives, that you are ready and rushing out to meet us. But we have to trust you, Lord. Because ultimately, when fear rises in our lives, we have to allow the gift of faith you give us for us to enter into God's plan, God's plan. In Jesus' name, amen. really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london